was like, okay, well, here we go. And uh, he zeroes in on me, and I, I tell him, man, I don't want to shoot you. I don't want to shoot you. And right after I said that is when he lunges at me. He makes just that last little effort that he's coming to me. Hey, Blue Grit Podcast listeners, we are back this week. Uh, your co-host, Clint McNear and Tyler Owen. Welcome back, by T-O. the way. I missed you. I missed you. You weren't uh, You weren't able to make it. You had a meeting up in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex when we had uh, the DA from Bear County on. And yeah. I felt... I felt uh, felt like my twin was gone. Felt abandoned. Kevin filled in. I mean, if I'm going to have anybody, or we're going to have anybody fill in, Kevin Lawrence to fill in to debate anybody would be the best one. Also, but it felt uh, felt felt naked without you. Felt alone. Yeah, you're like my little security blanket. Man, that means a lot. It does. Before we get teary eyed, before we jump into this, you guys hit that like button and uh, subscribe button. But yeah, it's good having you back. Like, subscribe, go to all the. Uh, audio platforms give us a review give us a google review or amazon whatever platform is your flavor of choice jump on there and give us a, a review if you don't mind or hit in the comments down below what episode we had some cool feedback this morning from the last few episodes people texting sharing what their favorite yeah. episode has been so far shoot in the comments down below what your favorite episode is um and also if you're watching one of our podcasts and there's some content that you want to take and share on your podcast or make your own um if you'll hashtag blue grit podcast use our material the way as you want to yeah, yeah. we don't mind no nope, we don't who do we got on today guess a sp- pretty special guest john bellini our board of director of tmpa and he brought on a friend that we recorded during conference and had some uh <laughs> had some difficulty uh laptop crashed and uh you know just standard stuff that happens on the road so you guys, welcome to the Blue Grit Podcast, and I'll let you intro your guest. And, uh, man, welcome. This is your first time on. Yes, sir, it is. Thank you. What do you think? It's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was your comment earlier? Yeah, we're not going to say that right now. Because <laughs> 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 I know where those could say, they're going to be brought around later. And no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. so. Uh, well, I brought Brain, Zane Daniel with me from San Angelo. We're both from San Angelo Police Department. I'm a sergeant down there, and uh, Zane's a patrol officer. And he had a story to tell back at conference. And like you said, there was a little bit of a technical issue. And it was fun. It was fun. We had a great yeah, time. Yeah, we had. We were drinks were flowing, and and uh, you know it was a great story. So anytime you can share an old fashioned and tell a story, it's not a bad day. <laughs> yeah. And it was. It was actually we stayed for those that know uh, me and Clint on a personal level. We it, we were we were drinking uh, and having a good time as as every conference, and uh, it stayed professional, right? I mean, we so we're, we uh, we have a good balance of doing that. I didn't have any angels envy. Um, I'll throw that out there for those that know that story. But and John's not a just a sergeant, San Angelo PD. You're also a regional director on TMPA board. Yes, sir. This is my second year now. Nice, so, nice, nice. About, I thought it'd been longer than that. Well, I've been hanging around for a long time. But so you like the hang around. Yeah. So he got yeah, patched but, in. He finally yeah. got patched in. Got a couple patched years in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, I was. I, I went to every board meeting the year before I I ran. Yeah. Um, to kind of make sure that I was prepared for the position and. Um, so I went to all the board meetings on my own dime, and then it was time to to run. So and you uh, you replaced James Gresham, uh, Captain Gresham, with uh, Stephenville Police Department, and uh, he just recently retired. Congratulations, Captain Gresham, yeah. on your yeah. retirement. That's who you replaced on the board. But, yes, sir. Yeah, I could have swore you've been around or, or been <laughs> on the board longer than that. And you're right. Oh. You were you were also not just uh, you can dive off into that. You were the committee chair. Uh, for the scholarships for many, many, many years. Yeah. So I, I attended my first conference in 2013, um, and Kevin Lawrence thought I was somebody's kid. Um, and from that conference, has lovingly called me uh, 21 Jump Street, or just Jump Street, every single McLevin. time he sees me. Uh, yeah. yes. You do age uh, well. I will say that. You do age quite well. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's it, it's been a while. But, yeah, my third, first conference was in 2013, um, and I kind of just wanted to see how I could get involved and – I jumped on the scholarship committee 2014, uh, did that for a couple of years, and I was asked to take that over as the chairman. Um, and then I ran it until, uh, well, until I got on the board yeah. and handed it over to Bertha. And uh, so, yeah, so I've been hanging around for a while and and been around the board because, of course, before the, all the technology changes and COVID, we did things a little bit of the older, or the older way at the time. And you know, so I was down at the office and, you know, involved in some 
stuff. And uh, then, then we finally were able into the 21st century and, and got it uh, on the computer and, yeah. and everything else. But yeah, no, it's, it's been a, it's been a fun ride and it was time to see if I could actually get out there and do a little bit more good. And so I ran for the board and, and I got it and uh, have been having fun ever since. That's Lots what's so fascinating time. to me is, is our conference. There's so much really uh, discussed and uh, you know, done at our conferences with uh, the committees, the comp, the, the, you know, the board of directors, just like your committee. I mean, we've got several committees that, that, that are selected there at the conference and, and, and they're selected mainly because of the ones that, that attend and, and you had attended conference. Um, uh, often the kind of what it feels like to be on the committee just as a member, because I get asked all the time and I'm sure you do too. And Clint about how you can get more involved with TNPA. And that's one great way uh, that our members can feel more involved about the decision-making process and who we are as an organization. Uh, and there's so many benefits too, with being a member. And that's, that's a huge part of it, I think. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's exactly what I tell people too. When they say, Hey, I want to be a little more involved in TMP. I'm like, well, come to a meeting yeah. or when you go to conference, sign up for something, uh, you know, start out in the scholarship committee. They're always looking for people on that one because the amount of work that that one is, yeah. um, you know, used to, we, it was, you would basically miss most of the conference. You were there, but you weren't able to pay attention. Um, and, uh, we finally got to the point where we stopped making all the physical copies and, you know, walking around with a tote box of, of scholarship uh, applications. And then we uh, even got to the point to where I was sending the flash drives out a couple weeks beforehand so they could, you know, look at all this stuff and be prepared beforehand. So we could at least attend some of the training and actually learn something from it. Um, and so that one was a lot of work and a lot of people were turned off and not wanting to participate in the scholarship committee because of how much you missed. Um, and I think we have a plan this year or I say we, it's not my, uh, responsibility anymore, but I think a plan has been put in place this year where they're going to be able to make those selections like the day before our, the conference starts. That's good. Um, and so they can actually not miss any of the conference and actually participate. Um, but yeah, the other, the other committees as well, you know, legislative committee. Yeah. Um, that was another thing that they really piqued my interest. And so I was invited to come down to Austin. I dealt with this workers comp issue back in 2016. Um, and it, wasn't as bad as it sounded, uh, but I, I was I was screwed around by the doctor for a little bit in the beginning. Uh, it really en- ended up not being the city's fault. It was really just the doctor was not wanting to order the certain tests that needed to be done. Right. And um, so I was asked to come up, and we, we were of course we've been pushing workers' comp reform for how many years now? And uh, so I was asked to come up, and I, I've testified it at uh, and like House or Senate and and stuff like that. But coming up and seeing those things and getting to meet the local reps, um, like Drew Darby, which now I see him all around town. Um, <laughs> he's and, always around moving yeah. around somewhere. Yeah. I might've yelled at him once, uh, not realizing who he was, but you know, the building was on fire. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> hey man, you, you gotta get out. <laughs> um, and then, uh, uh, Charles Perry from Lubbock, the Senator for that area and uh, meeting them was really, really cool. And again, it's yeah. kind of really like, okay, this is, there's really something that can go on here. They're doing really, really good things. And I want to be involved with this group and, and do something. about and, it. And the, and the ledge days that we were talking about me and Clint, I, I always enjoyed coming down. This was before I was a field rep. Uh, that's kind of Clint got me introduced whenever he was my rep in East Texas. And, uh, man, what a good time it, it, yeah. it's. And we, and there's been some discussion, uh, internally and externally with TMPA about the benefits of TMPA doing, uh, the capital days and the flooding the hallways with law enforcement and what the benefit and uh, what the non-benefit is that, you know, for us doing that. But man, it's uh it's crucial to be a part of that. And so there's been some discussion about bringing it back. So, and that'll be up to the, you guys and the board of directors and our executive staff and whether that needs to happen or not. And, uh, but whenever I participated in it, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoyed seeing the process, really enjoyed to get interacting with the field reps. Uh, you know, that was when, again, Clint was my field rep then and, and we got to hang out and, um, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, and you always got to prepare the next generation. We try to tell these people at the yeah, local at, level. You're, you're right about that. Yeah. You know, we're not going to be here forever. Somebody has to be able to will or be willing to step up. Like, but I, I but got you're still it. 19. So, it yeah, I mean, I guess. Or 12. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you got jumped in. <laughs> yeah. You got jumped in after being a hanger around. Yeah. At new board member orientation, did they tell you you get jumped in, but you. To get out, it, you get you get jumped out also. Right? <laughs> blood in, blood out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's yeah the, at the local level, like I said, we, I jumped in super early in my career, uh, <coughs> and uh, you know, but eventually I've got to pass that on to somebody else. I tried to a couple of years ago. Like, okay, it's time for me to, 
you know, kind of give the local their some free reign and go do my own thing. And, um, and then I've got back into it recently and, and it's a sink or swim. Yeah. Yeah. It always is. It always is. So cool. Who the hell is Zane? Zane. (laughs) That is a loaded question. It depends on who you ask. It depends on who you ask. Uh, no, I've been a cop in San Angelo for about five years now. Grew up there. Where were you born? Tell us, tell us, tell us about the day of, we don't want to hear about conception, but <laughs> tell us about where you grew up. And yeah, so I grew up in San Angelo. My folks, uh, my mom is from out further west. Met my uh, dad at Sol Ross State University out in Alpine. Oh, nice! That's beautiful. God's country. Shout yeah. out Alpine PD Chief Daryl Lahoisa. I can never always pronounce his name incorrectly. Lasoya. You said it kind of sexy, but it sounds good. Hey, I'll work on that at at, at Escosa. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, they were at Sol Ross, got hitched. Uh, Dad started with uh, Del Rio PD, and they lived in Sanderson for a while thereafter. And then it was actually at a conference. You know, we were just talking about conference and hooking up and getting a, it, not, <laughs> not no, that hold kind on. of hooking yeah, up. You were conceived at a conference? Yeah. yeah. A lot of TMPA babies out yeah. there. There are a lot of TMPA <laughs> babies out there. Making connections with other cops, you know. Learning, you know, getting involved and all these other things. Um, <laughs> they made a connection, all right. <laughs> made a connection. Uh, ended up, Dad went to a task force, a drug interdiction task force out in West Texas. He was a TFO? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he was a super field supervisor. <laughs> all right, throwing it out there. Boy, he may need a moment in a cigarette <laughs> yeah, now that you said TFO. <laughs> <laughs> he was a canine TFO supervisor. Oh, oh man. He oh. was a super TFO. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then that's when I come along a little while after, and they decided they didn't want to raise me in Sanderson, Texas. They wanted to raise me somewhere a little bit bigger, a little bit more access to things, and uh, moved us to San Angelo. There's that, some big deer in Sanderson, Texas. I'm I'm very aware. There's still a ranch with my name on it out there somewhere. We'll talk offline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can. I can get some deer hunting done. Yeah. We need to cold call Sanderson. We do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, been to San Angelo ever since. Dad was the cop there for 26 years. Where did he work at? What agency? San Angelo PD. Okay. Yeah. Same agency then. Same agency. Yeah. He wow. was around from when. John was coming up. Yeah. I was, you know, he bounced around within the department, ended up in training towards the end of his career with us uh, when I was in the academy. He was one of the instructors while I was there. How was that? How was that being in the academy with your dad being the instructor? How did that feel? For me, it was like going back to school. Yeah. <laughs> My mom just happens to be the assistant principal at oh, the snap. local high school oh, that wow. I also went to. I got you. So uh, it was Pretty par for the course. Yeah. Uh, my folks were just kind of everywhere. You know what's crazy up. Is, is San Angelo PD has, has so much history, really, with TMPA. Uh, we had the late Dick Brock that worked at San Angelo PD, our, our current deputy executive director, Mitch Landry, uh, and then and then you. And then who yeah. else? Uh, Johnny Rodriguez, Irma Rodriguez. J-Rod. Um, yeah, J-Rod yeah, is yeah. a past president for TMPA, and Irma, when, and Johnny's name is actually, and Irma's name is on this building. Oh wow! Um, it's on the plaque that's in the in the front that when he he was president um, at the time, I believe, um, and then Irma was the Region Five director. Um, yeah, they used to have conferences in San Angelo. Uh, there's yep. no way that, in that hell that we now. could have a, a conference in San Angelo anymore because we could try it. I guess. Yeah, no, you're a lot of babies in. <laughs> your parents' nope. definition of of a bigger place than Sanderson. I mean, I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> I mean, Sanderson's about the size of an ant's ass. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, the thriving metropolis of San Angelo. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to do, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So my dad was a cop growing up. Did you know most of your life you were probably going to be a cop growing up? Did dad being a cop, or was it one of those? Because for me, I was not headed towards being a cop. <laughs> um, I went in the Marines, and that turned me around. Otherwise, I would have been riding in police cars, not in the front seat. So I grew up around cops. They were in my house every day. My dad was a homicide detective. There was cops in my house hanging out, drinking beer every day. I didn't really think that was my path. Neither did I. I. Until I really woke up one day and thought, I better grow up and figure this crap out really quick. That's, it, tell me. Yeah, that's, that's about right. That's I mean, same story, different chapter. Um, no, I growing up, I thought I was going to be uh, an academic. 
I thought I was going to go to college and grad school. I actually was a religious studies major of all things. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I had the idea of going to seminary Amen. and being a, I wanted to do overseas mission work and stuff like that. Uh, turns out they still expect you to go to class and learn things. Yeah. Even if you're yeah. going to work for God. Yeah. It's a minor uh, detail. Yeah, it was a minor <laughs> detail. And uh, I wasn't very good at that minor detail. Yeah. That wasn't really my thing. I was a, I would rather have a good story than uh, make good grades, apparently. So college worthy uh, was a struggle for me. How old were you when you got hired at San Angelo? 25. So I uh, I messed around a long time in trying to go to college and trying to get that degree. Um, it, was, it wasn't until I moved back to San Angelo to, go, to continue trying to go to school that uh, I really kind of made the decision that every male influence in my life growing up was a cop or cop adjacent. So how do I, you know, you're trying to figure out your way in the world and where are you going to go? Well, I've got this guy and this guy and this guy that I trust, and they all work at the same place. Well, maybe I should do that and then, you know, dive in a little bit deeper and went straight to the police academy. Did you put that. yourself through or San Angelo have academy they put you through? San Angelo's got their own academy. We have our own nice. academy. So that's nice. I went to the academy at 25? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was pretty par for the course for my academy class. Uh, we had a couple. We only, I think we only had two or three that were 21. Oh wow! Damn. Yeah, we had a we had a kind of an older class. There were five or six of us that, that were in that twenty five age, and then there was a couple that were a little bit older. But we didn't have that real old guy. Did y'all require college back then? No, and no. we still don't. Uh, Man, I'm a huge fan of that, and I'll tell you why. I was the last academy at Garland that did not require college, uh-huh. and so there was thirty of us, and we were all. What's a polite way to say this? Street smart. Street smart. Yeah. We'd all had multiple jobs. We'd all, you know, been in fistfights before, and we'd lived life, been in trouble, and been fired from jobs, and had jobs, and worked labor jobs. And I was the last academy class that didn't require it. Yeah, that's. And the, it made good cops. Yeah. In our academies after that, we would sit on the review board, and you're interviewing a 21 or 22 year old, and you're asking them, hey, there's not some job history here. Well, I live with my mom and dad. I've never had a job. And I'm like, all right, have you, have you ever been lied to? Have you ever been punched in the face? <laughs> have you ever, you know, sweated? Have you ever done any labor? Have you, well, no, I live with my mom and dad. I'm like, oh my God, you're going to get eaten alive on the streets working the East End. Yeah. And I, and I'm no disrespect to a college degree or college education at all. But I think there's some value in life experience, street experience. Uh, that is missed that is missed yeah, yeah. i agree i mean I, I didn't finish college i uh i was going to college to be a teacher and a coach <laughs> and I, i'm fortunate I, I count myself fortunate i was working for the school district at the time i um, driving a school bus which back then ten dollars an hour was a lot of money mm-hmm. um, and it worked great with my college schedule I, you know when i did my classes and, and did all that and, and uh, set them up I, I was able to drive the route in the morning and go to class then go drive the route in the <laughs> afternoon and, and and go from there and so i was like well great i'm getting a jump start on some type of retirement system right and um and then I realized real fast when they because they asked me to step in and substitute for some classes uh towards the end of the semester once and um we were done with college for the year and i had to actually you know pretty much take over the class for the last three weeks of school and um i was like yeah this is not what i thought it was going to be and this is not what i want to do well then i had a crisis of well crap now what mm-hmm. you know and do I just stay in college and finish and get a, that piece of paper right. and, and it's not going to do me any good or do I switch it and what the hell do I switch it to? Or, and so I was a volunteer firefighter at the time and uh, a dispatch was always hiring. And so that's where, that's where I started off and, oh, nice. and jumped Would into you, dispatch. And this is y'all's opinion. I'm asking, uh, we had Rhonda Lord on several episodes ago, the Godfathers, uh, check it out. If you haven't watched that one, it's a fascinating episode, probably one of the best reviews we've gotten so far. But would you consider having a college education a standard? Ron Lord nailed it, and he was speaking of this about law enforcement uh, is trying to lower our standards to basically hit the recruitment crisis. And I and I got an argument the other day with somebody uh, in 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 the labor world that considered having a degree a standard. And I said I don't I don't think I don't consider that a standard. 
How many guests have we had on? And we've had discussions of this time and time and time again about the benefits of working the jail, the benefits of working in dispatch, the benefits of having that law enforcement experience. Yeah. You can't put a price tag on that. And and again, military experience, military experience. There is not. I am not. Uh, downgrading or or belittling anybody that has a degree because you earned that piece of paper. But I will say this, and I'll say it. Tyler Owen says this on this date at this time, that that piece of paper does not uh, train or does not make you a great employee compared to somebody else. Yep. And that's that's just facts. I mean, it may have a requirement to go to other agencies. but I, So I go back to my question, circle back. Is that is that a standard or is that a requirement? And that was the that was the question that I posed to the guy the other day. And the argument. Thankfully, it's not a state standard right now because I think, you know, if you're in East Texas with an agency paying twelve fifty an hour and you're going to demand they have a <laughs> yeah. four-year college degree, no. so they have $85,000 in college debt, you're going to demand they have that college degree, and then you're going to pay them $12 an hour to pay that back. What was the agency in Northeast Texas you just got through? When we went, me and you both got it. had the fight. What was it, eleven fifty an hour? Eleven seventy five. Twelve fifty an hour. Can you, so for the listener out there that's in the Metroplex or in Austin – you can't you can't survive on that. And the judge told them they didn't really give a damn about them, and so That's we right. told them they should all mass resign and go to work for Bucky's and get a five dollar an hour raise sure right did. now. And I quote, "That's exactly what Clint said." Well, anyway, that's going on all over the place. It's the same thing, but no, the vast majority of us, since we don't require a college degree, there's a lot of cops that I work with that don't. Uh, we get a lot of the military guys. Yeah. We've got the Air Force base in town, so people yeah. come through for training or whatever, and they like the town, so they stick around. They come back when they get out of the military. Um, but, you know, there's there's goods and bads. I'm the only person in my family that doesn't have a degree other than my dad. My dad and I are the only two. Yeah. Um, and... It's it's how yeah, I think it's part of how you go about getting a degree. If you go to college and you live off mom and dad, and you don't and you don't don't have a job, you don't right. work. Um, and yeah, there's a difference in responsibilities as far as the pathway. So the, yeah. the standard having a degree as a standard, I would disagree with. I would, yeah. um, you know, I worked manual labor jobs while I was in college, and then when I was like, you know what, I'm really I'm really actually done with this, and now I'm I'm going to go work forty hours a week and try this cop thing one more time and yeah well, uh, thank god you did yeah it turns out turns out i'm pretty good at it yeah there's um, a lot of value in life experience that you can't there measure there yeah. is i mean with a college degree i mean so, now there there are some very good cops that have college degrees and there's some very good cops that don't um yeah i mean it's just i, I regret it now you know and <laughs> <laughs> I, I regret it now not finishing college uh i at least would have had a little bit different life experience oh you're uh, in the club too but yeah, yeah, I don't have, oh. I don't have mine. <laughs> you regret not finishing. I regret not starting. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I would have, I would have liked to finish, but yeah, it just didn't, it just didn't happen. I had a chance to go and I, I got sucked into the vacuum of love with my wife. And That's so pretty powerful. I, yeah. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't end up going. I had a full scholarship, full ride scholarship to Hawaii yeah. university, the fighting rainbows. And she's benefited you better than a college degree. 110%. I no. definitely married up a free ride to Hawaii though. I mean, the fighting get, rainbows. Hey, but man, I'll say on. this. Shout out to anybody that attended, attended Irving High School or, or, or goes to Irving PD. We were in Euless. And I'm, <laughs> this is a rabbit trail, but it's funny. Uh, Irving High School played Euless. And for those that don't know, Euless has a huge uh, Tongan. Yeah, is that, I was thinking of the national. It's, they have a huge Tongan population in, in, uh, in Euless. And for those that <laughs> – I want you to imagine being a 16-year-old kid. I was a starting varsity on my, on my sophomore year. And they did that dance. Mm-hmm. Tongue and fight. The, the, yeah, the, the haka. The, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. It's awesome. It's intimidating as hell. It, yeah. It I wanted to cry and walk off the field and just say, all right, guys, this was fun. Uh, we got we got danced and or we got dressed up for nothing. But uh, that was a horrible. We got our asses handed to us. And I think it was the mental aspect of getting that tongue and dance beforehand. And they were Huge and fast. And anyway, so I didn't end up going to Hawaii. They should play Honka, the Haka in a briefing. We should do it. Like for, before you go run a SWAT call. Yeah. We should do it for conference. Heck yeah. Get everybody pumped up. I like it. The board should do it. The board should do it. Yeah. I agree. Make it happen. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Make it happen. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, All right. Sorry. Zane graduates yeah, Academy, hit the street. Yeah. Hit the street. What was that like? What year was that? That was March of 2019. So, yeah. Hit patrol deep nights. 
Deep knots. Deep. I've been done deep knots. I, I did some training on a. We have like a power shift, a three to three shift. But other than that, I've been on deep knots. That's where I would like to be. That's where the fun stuff happens. You know, yep. that's where cop things happen. Yep. Uh, hit the streets in March 2019. So right when the world is about to shit the bed. Yeah. And COVID is about to hit. So. March 2019, get through PTO. Um, it, it, barely. Yeah, barely. <laughs> barely. Um, we It was a kind of a wild time. Even in San Angelo, we had, what, four murders in three days? Right there. Not, yeah. I was like two weeks on the street. One of them was a double. It was crazy. Uh, running around, learning how to be a cop. I had good, I had good training officers, though. I, I, was, I was quite fortunate. They were tough on me. But, you know, so were my supervisors at the time. I mean, that's kind of the job. It is the yeah. job. Best so, job in the world, patrol sergeant. But Yeah, I've never been so tired than I was on PTO. Yeah. It was just mentally and physically. And just what a, you're saying is PTO, is that the, is that the FTO? FTO, call, okay, yeah, FTO, PTO, okay. training. It's a just a different version. It's the San Angelo um, way. No, no, it's PTO is a, it's a, it's another training program. It's just, that's what San Angelo uses. But so FTO, I think that one of the biggest differences that I've seen is like FTO, you get an evaluation at the end of every day. Mm-hmm. PTO is once a week. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, it's kind of the, and it's, <laughs> I got evaluated after every call, which, which you should. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's the way uh, verbally yeah. you are. Take a yes, lap. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or don't, or Hey, you didn't screw up that bad. So only take half a lap. So, so you're working deep nights. You mm-hmm. start in March. Uh, it, at what point? How how soon thereafter did your major incident happen? So I graduate March 2019. It's 18 weeks. So I hit the street, um, get bumped to a shift that I've never worked with the people I've never worked with, and then I immediately come back. and In November of 2020 is when I had my uh, critical incident. Okay. Was it on night shift or day mm-hmm. shift? It was deep nights. It was the first night back. It was our first night back after the Thanksgiving holiday. Okay. And the oh. fog was so thick, you couldn't see five feet in front of you. Oh, yeah, it was, a, it was one of those statewide fog nights. I got you. It was late November, <laughs> late November, statewide. I mean, it is from Brownsville to Amarillo. Wow. From El Paso to Beaumont, it is fog. Okay. Walk us through kind of uh, the call there before or thereafter and kind of walk us through what happened. Uh, so we were honestly, what we were doing was me and my buddy were screwing off is what we were doing. We were, it was right before midnight. Uh, we had just got done with Thanksgiving with our families. And this particular guy that goes with me has been um, one of my closest friends since we were in the sixth grade together. Wow. Um, and both ended up being cops somehow. Yeah. I guess the public education didn't do us too well. We both ended up being cops. Um, and we're actually beating up at one of the little hidey holes where cops have. And, you know, I take out a couple of cigars and we're going to, we're like, oh, we're going to give it a shot. Um, getting out of the car. And then as soon as, as soon as I, as, as soon as I cut and I touch that cigar with a lighter, um, boom, noise goes off, tones drop, time to go. And, we're hauling ass, you know, ten sixteen in progress because San Angelo still uses ten codes. Domestic assault in progress. Okay. Um, so license sirens response, hop in the car and go. Um, and the way we were parked, I knew my partner was going to have to do like a three point turn to get his. He was driving a Tahoe, so I knew I was going to beat him because I had a charger and I'm pointed towards the exit. I'm just out the door. Um. Said something about a knife. Um, stepdad was assaulting mom. The kid's calling in. Or a child is calling in. And uh, we knew right where I was going. I didn't have to look at the call notes, or I did. I wasn't trying to read a lot of our call comments from the computer screen because it's— Had you been there before to that address? I had never been there, to, okay. not to that specific address before. Right. But I knew the, I knew where the street was, right. and I know how the block numbers work. Right. So I knew that it was going to be right there on the corner. Boom. I was like, once I go here, here, and here, good to go. But I'm trying to drive responsibly with, I don't know if anybody's ever driven in heavy fog with your light bar going. It's worse. Does the same damn thing you do with your head, with your hot beams. It reflects back at you. It is terrifying because you can't see anything. But 
somebody needs help and yep. we got to get there. Yep. So I, uh, I showed up first and there's about a 13 or 14 year old kid at the front door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're back there. It was kind of nonchalant. They're fighting back there and I can hear them. I'm like, cool. Sit here on the front porch and wait for my partner. And it's, it's like an L. I mean, you walk in the front door, you're in the living room, hallway goes to the right, and there's a door facing you. I'm like, well, wonderful. You know, I've got nowhere to go in this hallway except right there at that door. If that guy's got a gun, it's not going to be that hard. Um, and I'm radioing to my partner, like, dude, where you at? Get here. Uh, step it up. Whatever your agency uses, I was trying them all. Let's just get here. I already have my gun out. Uh, he comes in. He's like, all right, let's do this. I'm like, cool, because we've got a closed door, and we're going in. As soon as you say you're ready, we do. And so I kind of violated some policy and just kind of flying ninja kicked that front door, <laughs> that interior door forward, and jump into this room. And he's sitting in a chair right there, just sitting there staring at me. Like, like an it was almost like animalistic. He was just what he was just you could see he was just fight mad, just angry, pissed, and um, she's they've got a mattress on the floor, and the wife is sitting there. So I, in order for my me to give my partner any room to come in, I've got to move into the room. So I moved down that working wall, and my partner's standing in the doorway. Wow, we have nowhere else to go, so this is where we're at. Um, and they're just sitting there, just staring at us. And we're just like, something's, something bad's about to happen. Um, so I tell the guys, like, you stand up, go to the living room with my partner right now. And he kind of shifts, and he had his hand down by his, his leg in a computer chair. Well, when he shifts to kind of stand up, I see he's got a knife in his hand. And my partner sees it too. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, so now it's drop the knife, drop the knife, drop the knife. And the only thing this guy says the entire time is, shoot me. Not screaming. He's not cussing. You know, we, we, we're pointing guns at this guy. Drop the knife. And he just, shoot me. How, cl- how far apart are you guys? Uh, about the size of this room. <clears throat> or about the size, I don't know, probably four or five feet. It's not a very big house. It's a... And for our viewers, this room's a lot smaller than it appears on TV, clearly. Yeah. We hear that every day. So you are close. Yeah, we're it's it's tight. If he decides to use that knife on me or my partner, somebody's getting cut. No doubt. He's still sitting at that point. He's still sitting and so he kinda backs away. I guess kind of scoots in that chair and kinda backs himself up into a corner. So now we're about six feet. Okay six to eight feet away from him. Um, and he's still got that. And he's just sitting there with a knife in his hand. Shoot me. How big is the knife? Is it a large knife or box no, cutter? No, not really. I mean, a little bit bigger than a box cutter. It's like a paring knife. Okay. Um, I, like eat, would, I eat pears, so I know what a paring knife is. <laughs> yeah, see? Like that's, like, that's, like, that's like our pocket knife size. Yeah, you non-fruit drinkers, about like that. Uh, and so that was one of the benefits of having who I had with me was my partner. You know, he's my buddy. We were kids together. Now we're adults together. Now we're cops together. Um, We didn't have to discuss anything. I could hear him holster his weapon and draw his taser. Okay. I've got lethal. He's got taser. And I see the, the dot on his chest. I'm like, okay, here we go. And Brad tased him and he just sat there. Oh, shit. Both probes hit? Both probes hit. Light them up, Leroy. And he just sat there riding the lightning? He just sat there riding the lightning, and he actually started stabbing himself in the shoulder with that knife, trying to get us to shoot him. Um, So, you know, I hear the clicking stops. He holsters that, and I hear him draw his weapon. Okay, well, now it's my turn. Maybe we can – maybe – He's got a bad lead or a bad probe or a bad battery or whatever in his taser, so I try to tase him. And uh, I guess he didn't like that too much because old boy just kind of did some wushu finger cold 
I don't know, whatever, wax on, wax off and breaks the the line to the taser. It comes back and hits and wraps around my hand holding the taser. So I kind of jump like, ow, I don't, I don't like tasing myself, but I knew how to stop it. So now neither one of us have a taser because we have the old X, uh, X26Ps or whatever. We, one cartridge. No working, no working. Oh, well, okay. So we go back up and he, uh, and just for those real quick that are thinking, well, you could still drive stun. Well, <coughs> by following up with the drive stun, you would be placing yourselves in that, in that, in that gap that you, yeah, I wasn't that you getting want up. to maintain. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to get close enough. To we have a lot stun. of non-law enforcement listeners. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. What you're probably processing. Uh, we, we can't close that gap at that point. Cause he's still armed. Yeah, exactly. He never dropped the knife. Um, he, when I, when I tried to deploy my taser is when he broke the, the lead, the wire that comes from the, the taser to the probe and he stands up and now he's standing over, like standing over his wife. And he's got that knife in his hand still, and we're like, here, you know, that's that's worst case scenario. So you know, you start adding pressure to that trigger, and your heart just keeps boop 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 boop. boom. Um, it's stressful. You're processing a lot all at once, really quickly. And uh, so I just start screaming at the guy, just start absolutely screaming, and he looks up at me. And away from his wife. So I'm like, okay, well, there's one crisis. And then he takes a step towards me. So I move down the wall a little bit, but I feel my shoulder hit something. So I'm, now I'm like, well, great. Now I'm in a corner. I've got nowhere to go. And I'm looking, you know, I'm glancing over at my partner. And I'm looking to where he's standing, where bad guy is, and then where the wife is. And I'm like, oh. Brad can't help. Crossfire to crossfire. He had a, the wife was behind the bad guy from where my partner was standing. Wife was his backdrop. Wife was his backdrop. So I knew that I was okay. Well, here we go. And uh, he zeroes in on me, and I I tell him, "Man, I don't want to shoot you. I don't want to shoot you." And right after I said that is when he lunges at me. He makes just that last little effort that he's coming to me. So I, I fired my weapon and ended the threat. And then everything just fades out. Right after that, everything just kind of, you just revert back to base function. Holster weapon, secure guy, grab her, put her on the couch. Go back, everything's covered, cool. Come back out, make sure everything's covered, and I'm and then, you know, you just, it's almost like a daze. Like, you know that you're doing everything that you need to be doing, but you're doing it automatically. Would you say completely unconscious? You're just doing whatever training. You've just completely reverted back to just training is kicked in and you're not even processing what you're doing. You're not even processing what you need to be doing. You're just reverting to training. You can actually see after I fire, we had just gotten, we hadn't had body camps for very long. When this happened, um, you can actually see my body start to process my scans that they teach us in the academy to wow. you know check for threats. You can I'm in a room with three other people. This size, you know, it's a bedroom. It's an interior bedroom in an older house. It's not very big, and I you I, you can see me start to do the twist. Even knowing there's no other threats, training took over. Training took over, and I'm starting to scan the room. Um, That's amazing, really. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm telling you, you revert you in a hot, super high stress situation. You're going to revert back to that training. Do you? Did you know at that time how many shots you fired? Not a clue. How many did you fire? Ended up shooting four. Fired and you four had times. no conscious effort of okay, I'm going to pull it twice, or I pulled it twice. He's still standing. Need to pull it twice more. It's just four. You fired four, not thinking, and that's what ended the threat. Mm-hmm fire until the threat ended and that's just kind of how I was trained and <clears throat> you know growing up shooting guns and all this other you know my dad being a firearm instructor for many years before he was a regular instructor you you, you kind of you revert back to that training okay in the threat that's what I did 
Secure the secure the person. Okay, now tend to that person. So from the time you got to that bedroom door, reached the bedroom door, to shots fired, trying to secure her, in reality, about how long was that? About six minutes, 23 seconds, if I'm remembering right. Wow. Total? Total. From the call drop to shots fired. No, no, no. From the time you entered the bedroom. Oh, then I guess probably three or four minutes, maybe. So the kind of the standoff in the bedroom is three minutes or so? Mm-hmm. Not so, very long at all. It's uh, it's it's fascinating and for our listeners and people that have been through this and people that may be involved in one in the future, <clears throat> I hear two versions. Either that whole thing seemed like it was everything was slow motion and um, lasted forever, or it seemed like it was just a flash and it it was just a small blip that occurred and it happened just like that was. Or that it was neither, but like a lot of times I've worked police shootings and guys will say, yeah, I could see my casing flying out of, or I could see the round hitting. Did time slow for you during that incident in the stress? Was time normal appearance or did it seem like the whole thing happened in one second? No. So during, up until firing my weapon, everything was moving at a normal pace. Once I fired my weapon and after is when everything slowed down a little bit. The noise drops a little bit. You know, I just, almost like if you were underwater and you're trying to listen to music. Like, you, you, you can hear that it's there, but you can't understand it. So your auditory exclusion was kicked in pretty good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tunnel vision, everything. I knew what I was doing. And, you know, when I go back and watch my, my camera later, I was repeating myself three times. Everything I said, I said three times. I don't know why, but it was, come with me, come with me, come with me, sit here, sit here, sit here. Go to him, go to him, go to him when I'm talking to different people. Um, but there's some value in that because when people are under stress, the wife would have been under stress. Anybody else there would have been under stress. They probably had some stress and auditory exclusion also. So ensuring they're getting that command three times is probably beneficial. Yeah, and, and whether everybody. that was trained into you guys in the yeah. academy or whether it was just an OODA loop that was hung open and you were doing it three times, but – Making sure they hear it, it's kind of like giving a death notice. You tell that person several times so that they can grasp it and process it. Probably wasn't a bad thing that you were, whether it was conscious or so. uh, No, it was definitely not conscious. It was, I knew, we got this guy in handcuffs. Okay. My partner's got him. Cool. She doesn't need to be in this room right now because this dude's probably going to die. Yeah, Um, or she may flip out now that you shot him. and She may flip out and grab the knife. She may be having a... total come apart she was not she was very just okay which says a lot which says <laughs> yeah. a lot yeah i don't i don't think that may have been the happiest of marriages yeah is what i'm kind of saying at one point and i've always wondered this i watched the video the other day i think it was in chicago maybe uh where the officer had to use justify deadly force and he immediately is apologetic he says i'm sorry well to the general public and the court of public opinion they're immediately thinking why the hell did he wrong, say i'm yeah. sorry because he's, he's admitting fault. The reality is we're human. <laughs> Absolutely. And at what point did you did you start processing, oh, shit, I've, I've, I have fired my duty weapon. I'm now in a critical incident. I actually called TMPA. I was a, I've been a TMPA member since I started, since the academy. It was actually uh, John and Dick Brock that came out and gave that presentation and kind of convinced me to go that, to come over this way. Um, TMPA, the, the lady that answered her phone, God bless her, I can't remember her name. Um, she couldn't have been nicer, more professional. Uh, okay, well, is this the number? Yes, let me make sure I got your name spelled right. Okay. And you're in where? San Angelo, Texas. Okay. Well, hang up the phone, but keep it on you. You're getting a call in about five minutes, in the next five minutes. And I get a call, and, uh, I laugh about it now, but it wasn't funny then. I got a call. It was a Washington, D.C. phone number. <laughs> um, turns out the, the attorney, the TFA attorney, for whatever reason, has a Washington, D.C. phone number. <laughs> well, that's where that's that's where John Wolf is from, isn't it? He, he's, yeah. he was a, a federal attorney in D.C., wasn't he? No, he was, he was. Well, I don't know about a federal attorney, but most actually don't know, and John's going to come on. Uh, his background is a DEA SWAT member. 
Ah, yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, so and now he's an attorney. So what better badass attorney? I mean, badass attorney. Uh, so what better person to have? represent our members and he's a regional contract attorney and uh we can talk about that in a separate podcast why our legal defense is better than others but anyway so how how, how soon thereafter did, did did john show up to the scene uh so he, he calls me and he's like hey i'm coming from midland and that fog has not lifted because yeah. you can't see anything i'm standing in this front yard of this house and i can't see the street yeah i'm like whatever man this guy's coming from midland he goes where are you going i was like i'll to this address he goes can you text it to me i'm already in the car yeah yeah i can do that um and we go and we get placed in the at conference room at our detective annex just to sit and wait sit and wait sit and wait um my family has always gone to our ranch out there near sanderson for thanksgiving and i came back early to work because i had to work that saturday um, I didn't know if my family was in town or not. I had no idea. And if they didn't, have, if they weren't in town, they didn't have cell service. It wasn't until I don't know, probably forty-five minutes that Dad came walking through the doors, and I was like, "Holy shit! You came! You came home! Thank God!" So I got to use my dad as my liaison officer with his wealth of experience to kind of help me through the process. Yeah. He never, he never was in a critical incident over his career like most cops but he was a detective for a while and worked the other side of it so he kind of knew and it's you know it's kind of nice to have your dad around not gonna lie so uh how are you doing now what are you doing with the san angelo police department how have you uh you know bounced back from from that critical incident and what are you doing back up a little bit there yes we got we got to talk about mr wolf for a second there because uh I don't know. From San Angelo to Midlands, what, 160 miles? It's right at two hours. Two-hour drive. I mean, on a normal day. I don't know how we made it in an hour-ish. Wow. <laughs> in statewide fog. And he kind of he sits down and goes, is this, is this, have the Rangers got here yet? And I'm like, no. I was like, who are, who are you? Because I'm your attorney. Was, you know, my name's John Wolf. I'm like, oh, cool. That's awesome. He goes, you know what happens when a trooper pulls you over when you're on your way to something like this? I said, no. He goes, he doesn't do anything. It's great. Homeboy <laughs> got pulled over flying on the Midland Highway in, in a thick fog by DPS. DPS, of course, was like, what is you doing? TMPA lawyer going to San Angelo to an officer-involved shooting. The trooper, I think, just turned on his heels and That's cool. didn't say a word. So shout out to Mr. Wolf. He was absolutely awesome. Um, he's a pleasure to work with because yeah. you can call him at 12 noon or 12 midnight, and he's like, text me the address. I'm rolling right now. Yep. He did a fantastic job for me. Um, to everybody with TMPA, I had a few different people reach out to me and just check on me. Um, and it bothered me. I it it took me it took me a minute to get to get right with it. How long were you off work initially? Uh I was given initially three days. We worked twelve hour shifts, so three working days turns into seven full days. Um and then when that was up, I was, I didn't think I was ready to go back. So I, I was like, oh, no, I want to go talk to the department shrink one more time before I go back. Because my thought process is, you know, I don't want to have some sort of deep-seated trauma get sent to another domestic and just freeze up and get my partner hurt. Yeah, Good on you for having the intestinal fortitude to do that rather than being like, well, if I, if I tell them I'm not ready yet, somebody may think I'm a sissy or – it may not look cool. Good on you for saying, I've had plenty of time off, but I'm still not certain that I'm 100% certain. Yeah. And I, I need to I need to self-check myself What it was is, oh. Because if you don't go back, which I did before, and you go back and you're a loose cannon or you've got some unattended issue, yeah. you're way more freaking dangerous than a suspect. Yeah. And so it, what it was is I thought I was doing too well with it. I never lost my appetite. I never lost any sleep. I didn't, you know, I was more annoyed because my cell phone just kept going off. It's a really good problem to have. I got a really good department with a lot of people who actually give a shit. 
the te- phone calls, text messages, all those guys I was talking about that convinced me to be a police officer by their actions. They're calling me, inviting me to dinner, doing this, doing that. Um, just checking on me, coming by and just swinging by my apartment and just hanging out for a minute or two. Um, did but, that help realizing you had a big circle that you had a tight family? Was that helpful? It did. And San Angelo has always been pretty good about that. We're, we get on each other's nerves pretty regularly, but we're, we're, we're a pretty tight knit department. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But we, uh, so having all that, but I never, I never had that. Like when you watch in the movies is, you know, the guy breaking down in the shower or just staring at a, you know, a TV with nothing on it. I never had that moment. I was just like, this happened. I did my job. Um, like I, I, sh- forward. I should, yeah. I should feel yeah. bad, but I should feel bad about this, but I didn't. And having my, you know, my best buddy with me. And now we can't like hang out until we go talk to the Rangers because we can't corrupt the investigation. We can check on each other. And finally, what it boiled down to, I was like, man, I'm just worried about you. You know, how are you doing? Because he felt like he left me hanging out to dry because he, he had the background. So like, I don't feel that way. And he goes, well, I'm worried about you because, you know, you actually had to shoot this guy and watch the lights turn out. It's like, no, I'm, it, it, what it boiled down to is if we quit worrying about each other, then we were both good. So, um, but so I went back and talked to the shrink again and he, there were some other, there's some older officers in the department that I really didn't know that well that had been through the OIS thing. And I went and talked to them and some of those guys really helped me out yeah. um, and get me through that. And I went back to work and they said like, Hey, why don't you ride with somebody for a week? Why don't you go sit with the, you know, get in this person's car and just smart on them. Yeah, it's it's pretty standard now. I don't know if it's actually on paper as far as no, protocol go, but I'm pretty sure that's how it's going to happen from now on. Yeah. Um, just to just to be sure, you yeah. know, just in case you hit that one nerve and it hits the wrong switch in your head, and you just and you end up standing there staring, which none of us want. So after that, I'm just still back on the streets, still working deep nights, still working the same part of town. Good for you, man. Was uh, that a house or an apartment? It's a house. Have you been back to a call on that street? Uh, I've been to many calls on that street. What I, was that? Uh, I don't go to that, that corner. I don't go to I either turn it. I either turn east or west before because it's on one of the main drags of my area. So you just don't drive by that specific corner. I don't but drive you go by that, that street. I, I don't drive by. I don't drive down that. I don't hit that intersection right there. Yeah, uh, understandable. If I don't, if I can avoid it. Yeah. Something up. If something happens on the other side of the street and in that corner, well, so be it. But yeah, it's 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 a little weary. Um, they just I I did drive near it and I saw that they have a construction crew, so I think they're painting it, which I think will do better. Yeah. How old are you now, Zane? <clears throat> I am 30 years old. What would 30-year-old Zane tell 20-year-old Zane? Uh, 20-year-old Zane would be quick, just quit going to college. Quit wasting the money. Um, he would say, go get you a job or go join the military. Go do something, but college is not going to be your thing. What would you tell a young man or woman 20 year old right now that's watching this that's really thinks they want to get into law enforcement and your stories interested or inspired them what would you share with them about what you've learned in the last five or six years be prepared um sometimes it, it is our job to show up to the worst days of people's lives be prepared to be the rock in that in that position for somebody you don't even know um, and don't expect to be paid well for it. It's good advice. Yep. Good advice. But you can't take a thankless job and then get mad when nobody says thank you. I need to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> Where's Aaron Slater? <laughs> <laughs> what would you tell young man or woman today? 
<coughs> to, I, I mean, just to, I mean, if they want to do it, they need to, they need to pull the trigger and go do it. They, they need to, um, you know, don't that may be a bad, yeah, no that might be a bad way to say that, but, um, <laughs> you know, don't, don't dwell on it forever. Uh, cause like I said, I had that little crisis where I was like, well, what do I do? What do I do? Um, you know, do I stay in college or do, you know, and I mean, in hindsight, yeah, I probably should have finished. I had a full ride. I mean, I, I should have taken advantage of the money that was given to me, um, through that scholarship and, and finished up and at least got a piece of paper. Um, some departments pay for it. Some don't, uh, and, uh, you know, it, it would have given me a little bit of a different perspective. I mean, I was halfway through, you know, I had two years in, um, and, uh, so no, you have to follow what your heart tells you to do. And so if your heart's telling you to get into public service and to, and to become a cop or a firefighter or whatever the case may be, do it, um, or prepare yourself to do it or get a job that prepares you f- to do it. Um, I started in dispatch, uh, and with the intent of uh, going to the fire department, you know, I was a volunteer firefighter at the time. I was like, yeah, let's you're one to sleep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's just uh, smarter than the rest of us. Well, <laughs> you know, and, and of course I made the wrong decision or no, the right decision, honestly. But, um, no, uh, that was exactly what it was though, was being in dispatch. I realized I'm like, these guys don't do anything half the time. And, we have a we have a great relationship with the fire department in San Angelo. His brother yeah. is actually one of them, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, so you know. But I just realized I'm like, yeah, I can't sit at the station. I, I'm not one. Of, I cannot sit still. Um, it's hard to be in a place like I, I was never one of those guys. I was not a parking lot cop. I could not just sit there all night. I had to be out there at least trying to do something. Yeah. Um, and uh, so. Yeah, I mean, it's if that's, if that's what you want to do, then either prepare yourself for it by getting a job to get you ready for it when you're able to get into it. Because I was 19 when I started dispatch. You couldn't you can, couldn't be a cop at younger than 21 at the time, um, or you know, go to the jail, do something to get ready for it, and then when it's time, come on over. There was a post that I saw on Lamar Adopt a Cop, Lamar County Sheriff's Office, Texas Ranger, a local Lamar County child was sick and just his first day back is third grade after months and months of rehab and some medical situation well they provided this kid a police escort to school he'd been out for like six months and the entire school this is going to be to your point the entire school made a big poster and the slogan that the school came up with was shoot high and dream big and it was to that child well and i think you made another really good point john um if you're passionate about it or you have a heart to do yeah. it, do it. If you don't have a passion to protect people, you got to be selfless because you got to protect the millionaire dude, just like you're going to have to protect the crackhead that's, you know, getting beat up or carjacked. If you don't, and to Zane's point, we only see people on their worst day. If you don't have a passion to do this job, do yourself and the community as favor and don't get into it. Yeah, exactly. Because you, 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 if you're getting this job because you think, well, the pay's pretty good and I'll have a, you know, I'll have retirement and I'll have medical benefits. If that's your desire to get into this uh, life, this is not the life for you. You are a doing a disservice to the community, to a police department. You're doing yourself a disservice. And towards the end of my career, I sat on some boards and guys were like, well, the tech industry slowed down. So I figured, screw it. I'd get some good medical. And I'm like, you need to go somewhere else. You yeah. don't, you yeah. need to leave right now. Yeah. You got to have a passion. Yeah. That's something everybody that comes on this episode, on this podcast, there's a freaking passion for people. And I th- that's a sad part, I guess, really the sappy side of Clint is the misnomer about public servants and, and cops or stormtroopers and blah, blah, blah. And man, the cops have the biggest hearts to go care and go see yep. people on their worst day and, and defend the, the defenseless yeah. yeah, is super important. Well, um, man, you got anything else? Rapid fire. Rapid fire time. Okay. You want to do it because I always mess it up, and I got a good feeling about Bellini. <laughs> I got a great feeling about Bellini. <laughs> the error in your thinking is they weren't alive when no, my cars no, were No, no, no. I, I promise you there were some. I promise. And no. you'll, you'll understand. All right. Here we go. Best cop movie or line from a cop movie. Ooh. How about a TV show? 
any, any cop show, cop TV. Because the greatest cop TV show of all time is Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. Uh, that's not bad. Yeah. That's a good, that's one. A good one. That's every single day. Every. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I liked End of Watch. Uh, that was one of my favorites. Die Hard was a good one. Yeah. I like those. Die Hard's probably the number, uh, almost number two, I think. Yeah, you'll get the other guys a lot. And the, honestly, the first time I watched it, I was like, I lost brain cells. And I was really upset that I watched that movie. And then I watched it again later, like a year or so. And I'm like, okay, now I can. It's funny. Yes. Second and third time, yes. it's freaking hilarious. Yes. Yeah. The first time I was like, wow. If people want to see, <laughs> if, if, if non-law enforcement want to see behind the curtain of what law enforcement is, the funny sense of humor, the camaraderie we have, the weird sense of humor we have to survive in, in this, yeah. in this uh, job. Uh, how one call can be nothing and the other call can be a complete train wreck. End of watch. And I'm not saying it's 100% accurate. The camaraderie, the behind the scenes, like the curtains pulled back, two guys cutting up in a police car, yeah. the raw, the real, the bond, the families get together, the quinceaneras, and that's a great movie for someone. Kind of like Full Metal Jacket, if they ever wanted to see what boot camp was like. It's not 100% accurate, but boot camp's pretty close. End of Watch is a freaking fantastic movie. Yeah, we don't get that one on here a lot. Uh, That's a great freaking movie. Yeah. We've had it on here a couple times, I guess. All right. Best police car. Chevy Caprice. Best police car. <laughs> uh, Chevy Caprice, man. <laughs> no. Dude, I've only been here. Like, I've only been a cop for five years, man. Uh that's what I think of when I think of a police car. I think of the Blues Brothers jumping, jumping. That's the old the, school yeah. Caprice. That's the big you know, LTD going through the mall, looking. chasing yeah. after the Blues Brothers. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, the best police. What's car. the best one you've driven? Between the Charger, the Tahoe, and the Explorer, I'm quite fond of my Explorer actually. I've had good luck with the, mine. The current generation is pretty the current, good. Yeah, the current. The older generation, not so much, but the current generation is actually a pretty solid car. What's your favorite? The- <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just list them. So I've uh, I've only driven a Tahoe for a couple shifts. I've never actually had one assigned to me, and by the time we started buying them, I was I had a take-home car, which Don't was Don't play with me, Blaney. Now, just hold on. No, no, we got to build flirting. up here. He, he is. So... This is the letdown. Yeah. So foreplay. Like, this is like got your, foreplay you're going cute, on. but you're yeah. not that. Just, okay. So my first take home was an F-250. That thing was a tank. Okay. Um, I was Lake Division at oh, the time. I forgot they yeah. had the 250. Yeah, I was the last I was the first, last one that got the 250. Anticipation's killing yeah. me. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. Then I got bumped down to a 150, which that was a little bit better. And honestly, drove, you know, I drove that thing for four and a half years. Okay. Um, got a brand new one, promoted, went to Sergeant, and drove a Charger. Okay. okay, that thing was a piece of junk. You know, brand new pickup to old ass charger, and it was terrible. Um, and then I got my current Explorer, which isn't bad. But uh, when I was a rookie, we had three Crown Vicks left on the fleet. Okay, and there was two bubble tops. Yeah, uh, and one that had an LED light bar. And there was only three of us that wanted to drive those cars, and that was the choice. My man, I mean, I knew it. Absolutely. I felt it. My heart was there, but we were in sync. Yeah. We still have one. We have one. It's a black Crown Vic that was the old gang unit. I got to drive that a couple times. Yeah, they, they brought it out for our drive training, too. So. so I actually went in the academy, our drive training. I got to drive a Crown Vic. It's got 300,000 miles on it. No, <laughs> probably, probably. Actually, less than 100. Are you serious? Oh, oh the, yeah. Like I said, it was the gang car, and then for a couple of years, we didn't have a gang unit, so it kind of sat. Um, I drove it. It was a, They just kind of let the patrol sergeants borrow it as needed. Um, for a little bit, so I got to drive it a couple times when my piece of junk was in the shop. Which is probably uh, often was it the Dodge. It, it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. It, that, that was, was a bad one. one. It, uh, it was so bad, I got they gave, it took it away from me at 75,000 miles, which is about typical, or maybe a little bit more than normal for a, a take-home car. And they didn't even put it on the fleet. They just deadlined it. It had so... It honestly was something. probably a limit. Yeah. Send it to the crush. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. Alright, third question. Off-duty drink of choice when relaxing. And I'm an old-fashioned guy. Any certain bourbon? Uh, Buffalo Trace is, unless it, I'm feeling froggy, feeling fancy. Feeling froggy. Yeah, I'll pick something on that next shelf and the next couple shelves up. I already know what Blaney's is going to be. Well, yeah, I mean, the official drink of the TMPA board is the old-fashioned. Yeah. 
So I will challenge everyone to this. I told I had to call him immediately after the next morning. I think it, it wasn't like a sauce morning, but like six thirty. A breakfast shot. Have you ever, you ever heard of that before? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess it just now made it to Wimberley, and I got to try it. So for y'all out there listening, breakfast shot is the way to go. It is legit. You got anything else, big dog? Nope. Like, subscribe, follow, share with your friends. Give us a review if you don't mind. Hit Google and give us a Google review. We would uh, forever love you a long time. <laughs> California just released uh, the fact that they have uh, – is dissolved or they they banned excited banned. delirium uh, excited delirium for their autopsy reports. Can't are, use those words. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Well, we're going to we're going to in Texas, and we are Call trying ED. to ed. We're going to try to get a doctor <laughs> on the next couple of episodes to discuss and give their thoughts on ed ed. So look forward to those episodes too. You guys stay safe out there. Uh, God bless you, and as always, may God bless Texas. We're out. <laughs>